What if life is a place full of possibilities for us to get better at things we care about, you know, instead of a place where we need to prove that we are great and we are perfect. Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. Greetings and welcome to the first new episode of Rise Leaders Radio in 2022. And I spoke with the most perfect guest to be the first speaker of 2022. I'm speaking today with Fran Cherney. And Fran is the author of a new book on change called Be the Change, The Art of Becoming Our Own Innovation Project. And the reason I say it's perfect is because here we are at the beginning of the year, we're looking ahead at who do we want to be, what do we want to achieve, what value do we want to bring to the world, and this is exactly what Fran's book is about. Before I go too much further into some of the details about what we're speaking about today, I want to say a little bit about Fran. So Fran leads an organization, a global organization called Axiolent Global. And Axelent is an international consulting firm who was one of the first consulting firms to bring in what's called conscious business practices into organizations. And Axelent really specializes with some of the top brand names, all names that you would recognize if you could see this list that I'm looking at. So they're working with some of the biggest organizations, trendsetters and movers and shakers in the world. Now, Fran himself is a business leader. He's an inspirational speaker and an advisor to executives who are very focused on driving cultural transformation in their organizations. He's known for not only his great facilitation, but in helping these organizations achieve real business results. And he's also known for his ability to align business strategy with the organization's values and practices. And he does this by listening intently and asking some really, really great questions. So he's a perfect guest for this time of the year. We focus in on three main areas, but we wander around a bit. But the three areas that we really focus on are describing change. And so not all change is created equal. Some things are really easy to change and some things are more complex. Fran is more interested in the nuances of complex change. He talks about what the enemies of change are. In other words, what gets in our way. And then we end with kind of a list of change superpowers. So if you really want to engage wholeheartedly in change and result in, have something that that sticks with you, we have a list and then he takes a deep dive into one of those. As always, there will be links to all the resources and how to get in touch with Fran in the show notes. And finally, I just want to invite you to comment, like, share, subscribe on whatever your podcasting platform is. 
and particularly with Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I really hope you enjoy the conversation today. I certainly did. And uh, take good care. Fran, first, congratulations on your new first book. It feels like a very auspicious time to be writing and putting work out there about change, just given the time of the year and everything. So first, I just want to congratulate you on a book that I really, really enjoyed. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. So I just want to jump right in, ask you a few questions about the title. So the title of the book is Be the Change, The Art of Becoming Your Own Innovation Project. And it feels like you were very intentional about the name Mm -hmm. and you wrote Be the Change instead of five quick steps to achieving your goals, or it's not a book about tactics and hacks. So I'm. can you just start by you know, saying a little bit about why you chose that particular title, Be the Change? Well, I think I was, and I am always trying to avoid this idea that many pretend to tell us that there's a a way of doing things and they were all going to be successful in that way. And then you go to the bookshelf, you know, and there are, you know, in the libraries, and then you have all these other steps for you to be happy, for you to be at your best. And then what I say is if everyone will be doing the same thing, you know, uh, then we will all be happy, all be successful, and we'll be selling whatever we want to sell in business, or we'll be having well-being. And that's not the case. And we know that. So I think we are pretending sometimes that through doing things without consciousness, without awareness, of who we are, how we want to do it, connected to our own intentions. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think we are all different. We need to allow ourselves to be different. We need to allow ourselves to flow with the experimentation of life in a way that we grow towards the things that we feel passionate about and we, we, we love. So, so I think what I was trying to do is to avoid this idea of there's one way and that actions without consciousness, I would say, or without clear intentions, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll make it either. Because we want to repeat the patterns or the solutions that other people... And let me clarify this. Of course, I know that there are best practices. There are good things that we can learn from other people. That's fantastic. But the question is, would that work for me? And I don't think that we can pretend to be or to do something that we don't feel inside. And when we look inside, it doesn't resonate with us. So in, in a way, it's an invitation to look inside to look for our intentions, to have much more clarity of our purpose here, you know, in what we're trying to do in our, with our lives, without that meaning that we are always clear about it. But in a way to bring the consciousness and awareness to, to the doing, let me put it that way. So I don't think it's about the doing. I think the doing will help us. You told me this before this conversation. I would say that I love practice. I'm very practical. I'm very, let's go into action. So it's not that I, I don't like the doing. I think the doing is great, but the doing... And the practices we do, let's try to make them align to who we are. Yes. And as I was reading your book, one thing that I thought I was about probably halfway through, and I thought, I wonder if some people might read this and be frustrated because it's not formulaic. And so, just as you said, we are all different people. We all have different intentions and a sense of purpose. And that tapping into that is really important in any kind of change. You also have what I would call come from in that the change should be for the sake of something. 
Like, how is it impacting our communities, the people that we live and work with? So it's not just goal achievement for the sake of achievement, but it sits within a particular context. And that really resonated with me as I was reading. So can you say a little bit about that as well? And and kind of how you came to, it's not just about us and achieving things, but we impact other people. Yes. So, and then we can talk about the people who might feel frustrated. Okay. I don't have a problem about that. We can talk about it. Okay? <laughs> a lot of feedback about the book and, and what people, what I would say is that just comment on that is that in general, I received lovely feedback, but one of the feedbacks that I received is, was not what people was, were expecting. Yeah. And at the same time, they love it. So that's good. No? Right. So it was a surprise. Now, then you we can, can add me to it. that list. <laughs> then we can, we, we, we can talk about it. But yes, some people might have felt frustrated, but at the same time, challenged in a loving way, I think. So, but we can talk about that later because you asked me a different question, okay? But I, I was also thinking about that. So, <laughs> so I think change is a trending topic. Mm-hmm. And, and a trending topic is not always good because we are doing things from an unconscious place. We are doing things just because everyone is doing it. And just an, an anecdote about this, you know, I was working with a client, you know, and they asked me, and this is in a way how all this idea of the book started about this topic, because almost five years ago, you know, I went to a, you know, an, an event, you know, there were like 100 people there. And then I asked them, what did you learn in this event? You know, and what do you want to work on? And then two things happened. People didn't even remember what they did during the event. Mm. There were so many topics, you know, so many different things. But then they were thinking that they need to do all these 10 things because the leaders came there and they told them about these 10 things that they should be doing. And then my question was, does this make sense to you? So can you do 10 things at the same time, first thing? <laughs> right. you know, or you are overcommitting. Which, which of these 10 things really make sense to you? And maybe it was only one or two that the people really feel this is going to make a difference in my life, in my performance, in whatever they wanted. So then I came into this idea that this trending topic is not good. Trending habits is much better. So let's try to create habits that are aligned to, to who we want to be or the best version we want to show uh, in every situation. And in a way, responding to your question, my invitation for people is to think from all the feedback they receive, from all the ideas that they have, okay, what really makes sense to you? What do you think is going to make you a better leader, a better partner, a better parent, whatever you want to be better at, you want to be uh, better at. And then with that, you will have the energy to go into the action, to try to test it. You know, we want to go into that in a, in a, for sure. So that, that's what I believe because my experience told me that people who are just following the feedback from their leaders, from the people they like, you know, and they want to like them and they are tr- trying to do 10 things at the same time, they get nowhere. And, and, and they get nowhere or they get frustrated. Because at the end, they're changing on things that doesn't make sense to them in how they want to live their lives. And they are living the life of someone else because someone else wants them to do that. So I think that that moment of pausing, checking, what makes sense to me? I think people usually do that. Let me put this challenge on the table. is because it's hard for, for many of us, I would say for them, but I will, I'm going to include myself to, to tell someone, I'm not going to work on this. I know you gave me this feedback, but that's not going to be part of of what I'm going to be focusing right now. So, whoa, what, what do you mean? I'm your leader, you know, I'm your partner. So what do you mean that, well, no, and then you can explain why. But I think that that's the difficult conversation that people are avoiding by saying yes to everything. But then I think what they're buying is the ticket for not delivering the promise to everyone and not delivering to themselves. Right. And kind of 
empty actions. And I, in my own experience with a dynamic like that is, and maybe we'll talk about it later here, but the whole then antibodies and the resistance to change that happens when we try to do things that aren't important to us or that change kind of the flavor of the month. But I know myself that as I write down goals or intentions for the year, that if I don't truly believe it, if it's not something I really want and I spend some time thinking about, you know, anybody can just, we can just write down what we want. That'd be easy. But what are we willing to put our energy behind and really create new habits and put systems in place? That's a whole different answer. And what I find again myself is that when I just write things down as quote goals and I don't pay attention to them later, then my energy and my interest for doing that again is lower. Mm -hmm. So every time I have less energy to put toward those goals that maybe I thought I should, I should have these goals, but they're not really important to me. I agree with you. And yeah. the other day I received feedback from someone who also just read the book and uh, a leader of an organization who I've been working with. And, and she told me one of the main things she got from the book, she told me is the idea of focus, of deciding no. Because one of the things that I say is, is or I wrote, is that trying to do so many things at the same time doesn't work. So we pretend that the multitasking and that trying to achieve, you know, 10 changes at the same time, And then I think we are overcommitting and we are buying the ticket for frustration. And, and I think you, something you said remind me of this, that is the antibodies. Mm -hmm. you know, I think we are building the antibodies through that because we are not going to be able to do it. And then we buy the story also that we are not able to change. And my belief is that we are not able to change where we are trying to do 10 things at the same time. When you really focus on the one or two or three things that you really want to do that are going to be important for you, then what I think we do is we learn how to change. Mm -hmm. we, we create the stories that are going to make us try to do and be able to do even more. And once we learn how to change, how to improve it, how to make it easier, faster, then we might be able to do 10 things at the same time. But because like anything in life, when we have the practice, everything is easier. But we are not into that practice usually. So Right. And we have been a little unconscious, I think. So, you know, already the first lesson for me just in, in our conversation so far is to really spend time thinking about what you want, how it aligns with your, your values, your purpose, your intention, how, however that you want to say that, mm -hmm. yes. and then really put a lot of focus into that. Really, you know, it things like that deserve our full attention. And oftentimes we don't give it. And then that, that results in those, in those antibodies. Beautifully summarized. That's exactly <laughs> what you. I meant. So let's talk about the second phrase of the book, which also I love the art of being your own innovation project. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give a shout out to Our, our mutual friend, Raf Vitan, right mm -hmm. now as well, because I know that that's also a phrase that he uses. So tell me about that phrase. What does it mean to you? Why did you include it in the title? It almost seems like those two phrases, be the change, and then the second half are on almost opposite poles, or they're complementary, mm -hmm. but they're saying different things. Well, for me, they dance beautifully well together because one without the other would not work for me. Because I think that even the be the change is like, it looks like an imposition, you know, it's, it's okay, mm -hmm. be, be, be this. 
And at the same time, what I think is that life is the place where we are just trying things over and over again and trying to get better. And at, I think at the end, that's, that's going to be life anyway. So even if we pretend to be perfect at something, then we're going to go and do it. And then we're going to see how it works. And, and then when we get a certain level of, let's say, mastery on something, a new challenge will come. And that's life. Um, and we know that, actually. Intellectually, we know it. But, but then we are pretending that, that it's not going to be that way and we're going to show up as perfect on everything we love or how we would like to be. And then because something worked in this conversation with you, then I go into another conversation with someone and then the person, I say, I say the same thing and maybe they get upset about that. So why is that? Well, because maybe for that person it's different. I need to learn a new way of expressing something to a different person. And that's life. So for me, that, let's say, second part of the title is an invitation for all of us to just go through this journey, this time that we have here, you know, all together at the same, you know, in, in this era, uh, in a way that, that we just experiment, we just take things as, as a way to improve situation after situation to get better in each interaction. And knowing that, you know, perfection doesn't exist. Progression is, is the way for me. The moment we believe we are perfect at something, the life will show us that we are not. That, that's how <laughs> that's it is. Right. That's how it is because... Yes, that's what, at least what, what everyone tells me, you know, and, and in a way it's an invitation to live our life and our transformation journeys in a more light way without mm -hmm. that meaning that we will not have emotions, we will not have an impact on, on, and, and feel in different ways, but just smiling to things, you know, because, because the same way that it didn't work as we expected, you know, the next opportunity is coming the moment after. So that's the invitation. Yeah, yes. and, and I felt that. It felt freeing to me. At first, I'd seen Raf use this phrase before, yes. and I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. But it is freeing to think of myself as an innovation project because it make, makes me realize I get to do it over. Or I get to try it a lot of different ways. That's what innovation means to me. It's like, let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. And so, it was freeing. So, while be the change feels very like centered and grounded and very thoughtful. The innovation project part feels more playful and easy. So those two are kind of juxtaposed against each other. And like you said, and that's the way it is. It's a really nice way to hold change. Yes. Again, you summarized it beautifully well. <laughs> and I think, yes, because also what I was trying to do is to creating that joy and let's say a feeling of freedom or lighter, I would say feeling, because even many people, I, I saw this in organizations, you know, they, they believe they need to change tomorrow and make it perfect and showing themselves in the perfect way. And I have bad news, that's not going to happen, you know? So, so, and we all know it. That's, that's the thing that is a bit crazy. So this idea that we always try in a way, we're always buying our own ticket for frustration instead of, of as you said, you know, let's mm. be more playful. And, and let's be playful with each other. Let's allow, there's a, another thing that happens a lot that I tell people is, is when, I, when I do, a, let's say, when I facilitate a feedback session between members of leadership teams, you know, the crazy thing is that people give feedback and then they expect the other person to already be able to do what they said the day after. You need to be able to, you know, to speak slowly, you know, in this, because of this or that. 
And then the day after they treat them as the feedback, you know, because they gave the feedback, the person can do it. Like it's magic. I've it's said magic. it and now it's you know, going to change. Exactly. So I, this is also an invitation for all of us to treat, treat each other as, okay, once we give feedback to each other and the person says, yes, this makes sense to me, I will try it. The person is not going to be perfect tomorrow. And the moment we treat them in a way that they are experimenting, they are trying, they are evolving, they are, they are progressing interaction after interaction, I think we are also creating a world where it's easier for people to change and to evolve. Because that's what we all say we want, you know, even as leaders, we say, oh, yes, I want my people to evolve. But then how do we help them do that? You know, how do we help them? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm curious how you would, like after the feedback session. Yes. How do you suggest that people keep that going, keep the experiment going? And me knowing that, Fran, I just gave you some feedback, but I can't expect you to be perfect at it tomorrow. And so how would you recommend that you and I interact with each other and keep that feedback, that playfulness going? Well, that maybe in the next session, you tell me what I did better. Mm -hmm. Instead of telling me what I didn't, what I was not able to do. So maybe next session is a meeting. Let's say it's a business meeting next session. Okay. We are going to interact, but then we allow the last five minutes of the meeting to say, okay, let's share what we saw someone doing better than, than the previous time. Uh -huh. And then, and then we are, we are already giving positive feedback of the progression. Yep. So that's also connected to growth mindset, to, to being a learner. So that's a very little thing that we can do, but it's creating the idea that we are looking after, we're putting our energy and our focus, our flashlight is focusing on the things that people improve. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So looking for what's going well and then exactly. commenting on it and just keeping that kind of that positive feedback going. This whole conversation is about change. Yes. But one of the things that you highlight in the book is that not all change is the same. All change uh -huh. is not equal. And there's some things that are really easy to change and then some things that are very complex. Describe how you think about change in that way. Well, one of the things that I discovered through, yes, my own experience with working with different people is that we all tend to talk about change like it's just one thing and we don't distinguish the different levels of complexity. And we try to solve, let's say, the more complex type of changes with the recipes of the easiest ones. <laughs> and that doesn't work as, as anything, anything. So in a way, in the book, I put that there are four different levels of complexity. Let me put it that way. One that is very simple. You no, know, I just see something, makes sense to me, and I can do it. Mm -hmm. so no, not a problem. But then the highest level of complexity, let me put it that way, is in the situation where we cannot do it by ourselves. We need support. And I, I put the example, you know, there, like my first marathon, you know, when I ran my first marathon, I couldn't have done it without someone knocking at my door or actually calling me, you know, to my mobile and telling me we are going out and running today, even though it's raining. You know, I was living in London at that time. And this friend of mine, he said, I said, no, but it's raining. He said, well, but if you're going to run a marathon, you know, the only question is what you're going to wear today. Not if you're going to go out and run or not, because you're training <laughs> for that. So it changed, it changed my way of, of, of looking at it. Uh -huh. But I couldn't do it without someone challenging me in that moment mm -hmm. and telling me, I'm going to go and run to your house and I'm going to help you get out from the door and let's go to and run. Because my, my, my habits, my own biases would, would have told me, let's not do it. So in a way, our tendency, our brain usually tells us that when we see a problem or something we would like to change or transform ourselves, 
we have a tendency to think we can just do it mm -hmm. because we have a, and this is science, you know, already explained this and I describe this in the book. We usually overestimate our capacities. So we, we believe that we are better than the average. And there's some studies about that. So then we say, okay, yes, this guy is, is talking about this, you know, and, and well, yes, I can do it. And tomorrow I'm going to be able to do this. Actually, I, what I usually say, and I put this graph in the, some of my keynotes, our idea is that day one, after day one, we are in 10 out of 10 in our capacities. But actually, that's for the easy things. For the complex ones, it might take between 60 days, 90 days. So it takes practice and new habits that we need to build. So any habit change requires time, energy, effort, and usually it's much easier or I would say uh, most of the times only possible if we have someone coaching us. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and when I say coaching us, could be our partner. So if you go into a new diet, for example, something that people many times want to do, eating in a healthier way, sorry. So perfect. Now, if you are there and you are trying to get, you know, the, the wrong thing, let's say, because your habit usually is that, and you, you're just doing what you are used to do, but someone is telling you, no, no, remember, you said you want to change this. So remember, you also have this in the fridge that you can take and do. Then at least you are more aware mm -hmm. that that creates a change. Now, the idea would be that you give permission to that person to let you know what you can do and what you cannot in those difficult moments. Okay? Because if not, you're going to say, oh, come on, don't bother me. You know, let me just do this. It's going to be just one more day. And then you never start the diet. And that's what happens. Right. Well, you mentioned in your book, Lisa Leahy and mm -hmm. immunity to change. And, yes. you know, there are so many things also down at that most complex level of change are those types of changes that cause us to try things that are new, that we might not be good at, and that we might have a story that it damages our reputation or our yes. status because we're not going to be doing it well in the beginning. And so that's one of the, you know, enemies or it makes us immunities. Like what will people think? Yes, and that, and who do that, I think I am? And that's what Lisa and, and, and Bob, they call the competing commitments. Yes. Right. So 100% aligned. Some of the most difficult ones are the ones in which we believe that we do the opposite thing or the thing we, we would like to be or the way we would like to be something of our, let's say, image would be at risk because mm -hmm. of that. And there's yeah. some beautiful studies about that too. So 100% aligned to challenge those stories and to try new things. And actually, also, if you see the immunity to change methodology, and actually, let me, let me tell you this. You didn't know this, but I'm going to share it. That is, Lisa Lahi wrote something for the book, and I'm going to send that to everyone who has the book in the coming weeks because she, yes, she wrote something about the methodology because I think it's very aligned to the methodology, the book in that sense, because the methodology invites you to try new things, to mm -hmm. test and learn, to go and check if your assumptions are accurate or not. And most of the times they are not. We have stories in our mind that are preventing us to be at our best, 100% mm -hmm. aligned. Yeah. So again, that's something that's going on internally that if we're not aware of the stories that we're telling ourselves and the assumptions that we're making and that we're not testing, that also makes the change really hard. And that's at that fourth level of change, not the, you know, not the very easy. But I sense that the change that you're advocating and that you're supporting is that level three or four change. That that's where the juice is. Yes. What I would say is 
things that people can do by themselves because they attend, you know, they read a book or they attend a, a training and they can do by themselves. There are those things that they are already ready. Their brain can, you know, connect with that. That's not what I'm talking in this book. What I'm talking in this book is how do we deal with the situations that we just discussed, the ones that are more complex, the one that mm -hmm. require a habit change, the one that requires some effort and energy for us to really you know, transform ourselves into our next better version, as, as I usually say. You know? So, so that, that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm talking about in this book. There was one point when in my, while I was reading, Fran, that I remembered back when I was at EDS, mm -hmm. we were doing a lot of work. This is when quality, probably the early 90s, when we, people were doing a lot of work around quality and we were reading a book. I don't even remember what the book was. And one of the leaders in the room said, well, I read the book and nothing changed. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, we, you have to take action. You have to do something different. It's not a magic bullet that we read a book and, and change happens. Well, actually that was one of the reasons why I was not sure to, if, if, if I wanted to write a book or not, because in my talks, many times what I share and in, in the work I do with clients is reading a book or attending a, a, a keynote it's also a risk because we have the belief that when we read it or when we saw something in a train, we already know how to do it. That's what I call the type one, you know, that people believe because they intellectually understand it. So the situation that I usually use in, in, in some of the sessions I do is who would you choose, let's say, to be with your kids at the swimming pool? Someone who has read all the books about swimming or someone who doesn't know, not even know how to read, but has been working in the ocean, rescuing people for the last 15 years. So it's not about what you read and what you intellectually understand. It's your capacity to do something, mm -hmm. your habit that you can do it. So that's exactly what happens. Usually the, the problem I have is that I work with very smart people. And very smart people tell themselves a story that they want to hear for themselves. And that's a problem. So I think that mm -hmm. that's also an invitation I, I invite people in the book is let's stop thinking that we are, let's say, better than the average. Unless you're thinking, not because it's true or false, just for the sake of creating change and allowing us to practice something, let's assume or let's buy the story that we are one point below the average. And let's see what traction that creates. And I think that that creates, in general, what people tell me is a much more learner, growth, expansion, you know, possibilities than the situation where people tell themselves, I already know this, I know how to do it. Yeah. And if we can consider ourselves one point below average, and, and that's okay. And kind of be excited about the challenge where we want to go. I think that's, that's the other side of that. Can we be excited about what's possible? 100% I think that <laughs> you, you remind me of something, you know, about customer centricity, you know, so many companies that want to be customer centric and they say, okay, let's invite your clients, you know, to tell you what they think. And then they say, no. So if they come, they're going to tell you awful things. So, okay. And what's the problem? If you are customer centric, Whatever they say, even if it's awful, you will be passionate about it because you have a possibility to bring them a solution. This is exactly the same thing that you are saying. If you have that energy, if you can connect, let me put it this way, if we can all create that energy in ourselves, because sometimes we don't have it, but let's, the more we think about it, we can connect with that energy. And then life will be a completely different stage for us because it will be an opportunity to grow, to learn, to do better instead of, an, of a place to prove that we are perfect, that we are great, how good we are. Life will show us that that's not the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm having this image right now listening to you speak, Fran, which is what if we all were walking around feeling 
like the world was full of possibility instead of walking around protecting our image and our reputation. I, I don't know, it's just a sense of freedom. And I can just imagine yes. people walking down the street, like with their heads up and their eyes wide and, and feeling open and happy and just looking for opportunities to, to change. So uh, I think, Vianne, you're doing a beautiful job of, in a way, summarizing some, many of my intentions with the book, because I think what you're saying is exactly my intention with the book. That is, what if we take life in that way? What if life is a place full of possibilities for us to get better at things, you know, and to, mm. for the things that we care about, you know, instead of a place where we need to prove that we are great and we are perfect. So exactly what you say is, is, is part of the intention of the book. So I think beautifully summarized. Yeah, too. thank you. In one part of the book, you talk about enemies of change. So these yes. are the things that will keep us from changing. And you've got four items mm -hmm. that are the enemies of change. And one of them is ego. Yes. And I think that that's what we're talking about mm -hmm. here is our ego needing to appear to have the answers, to appear perfect, all of those things that ego is one of those enemies of change. Well, yes, I think it's one of the biggest ones because, as you said, we live in a world that we grew in a culture, let me put it this way, in which we need to have the, all the answers. We need mm -hmm. to show that we are perfect. And I think that we all know that that's not the world we are at now. And that's not the world of the future, but it's still hard for us to change and move. That's why I, I say that the, the key thing is to learn how to change. Mm -hmm. Because if we all get rid of that feeling that we need to protect our ego, or let me put it in this way, that is that our ego eats from you know, the positive feedback of perfection instead of the progression, instead of how better we are getting things, I think it's going to be very, very hard. So, so yes, and mainly that is a big challenge for people who work in corporations, mainly, you know, in, in organizations in general. So that, that's one of the things I would invite everyone just to rethink about themselves. Because if not, it's going to be very hard. And I'm talking to myself too. Okay, so I'm, I'm part of this same society and I, I have most of these challenges too. Yes, I hear you. And we, we set structures and things up where, where we say we don't want a big ego, but then all of the systems and rewards and everything that we put in place don't support experimentation necessarily. So let's, let's talk about some of the other enemies. So the other one, one of the other enemies of change is our brain's economy. Yes. What does that mean? Well, it means that habits are built for us to go faster through life. And that makes sense. So I don't think about brushing my teeth every morning. No, I know that that's what I need to do because I already have data that if I don't do it, people around me you know, don't <laughs> want to be with me. <laughs> But then I just don't think about it. I just go and I do it. And that's perfect. Now, the problem is that because of that, many of the things we do every day, even though we want to change things. And so, you know, when you say, okay, now we are starting 2022. And then many people are setting new goals. And I have bad news for them. You know, the bad news is you're going to need to change some habits. You know, you will need to do some things in a different way. Now, the problem is if you are not conscious of that, if you don't have some, that's why I think those are the complex situations. Because you need help. And sometimes help is you creating your own, let's say, system for change. So let me give an example of that. I started some time ago trying and testing something that Nitya Shanti, this Buddhist monk that I work with, water therapy. He suggested water therapy. So if you, if you take almost two liters of water, I think in the morning, you feel better, you are more hydrated, all the benefits of that. And I said, okay, what can go wrong? Nothing. So I just 
the, the worst thing that can happen is that I having some glasses of water at, at the beginning of the day. But then the only things that you need to do when you are fasting in a way, so still fasting, you cannot ingest anything. And after you take the water for 45 minutes, you cannot brush your teeth, you cannot eat anything, etc. So the first week, I forgot about it. You know, when, when I wake up, you know, I just went and I start my day. I said, oh, I forgot about it. So then the question is, how do I create a system to help me with that? My wife was hard for her because she was still sleeping at that time. But for example, this is another thing that really works is to put things available. This is what mm -hmm. happens in the supermarket. Whatever you have available, you get. So I put the water the night before on top of the loo, you know, so, so, so there <laughs> in the bathroom. So when I get there, the first thing that I saw was the water. So then to create a system for that, you know, because this is just an example. And then I start remind now after, let's say two weeks of that, I don't need to do that anymore because now my body was telling me and my brain was telling me the first things you do is you drink water. You created now, a new yes. shortcut. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. So sometimes you can create your own shortcut and you can be your own coach. In some cases, this still is a silly, simple thing, but it's similar to any diets, mm -hmm. you know? So, but in some other cases, so an example could be someone in a meeting who is saying, no, I want to allow, I'm a leader and I want to allow people to talk more and me to speak less. So then how you do that? How you start practicing that? When the first thing that comes to you when you sit in the table with everyone around or in the conference call is, hey, how everyone is doing? So let me tell you, you start talking. So how you do that? How you can have a reminder? How, you, how someone in that group can help you? Can someone, even if you don't want to share it in front of everyone, my suggestion usually is share it with everyone. Let people know you're trying to get better mm -hmm. at that and why. And then people can help you in a funny way. They can say, hey, remember, you are not going first. And then we can all smile to it as you are doing now. Now, if we, if we don't feel ready for that, at least maybe someone in that group can, can help us. Mm -hmm. you know? so, so that's in a way what I mean by changing habits in a way and the, the economy of the brain. Yeah, we take all those shortcuts. So we've got the brain's economy. We already talked about the ego. And we've also been really talking a lot around wanting quick results over form. And yes. I think what this means, Bran, is that all of this that you're saying about changing the habits in the systems and the processes versus we're not going to be able to do it perfectly tomorrow. The form matters, like our habits and systems and processes matter. Is that what that means? Form over quick results? Yes. What I would say is form and what I was sharing before, that is, if we are trying to change something, expecting us to be perfect tomorrow, we are buying a ticket for failure. Mm -hmm. But if we are saying, so there's a phrase that I love that is, we usually overestimate what we can do in one week, but we underestimate what we can do in one month. And you can apply that to any, any timing, you know, you can say in a month and a year. So when you think of, you know, each of us, if we practice something for anything, anything, you know, go and play tennis or golf or any sport, you know, if you hit the ball one time after the other, after, you know, 10 sessions, mm -hmm. you are much better than after the first one. So my invitation is there is focus on a, at least midterm thing. How I'm going to do, how, how I'm going to be in a month from now, in two months from now, and then focus on that and focus on the progression. Um, actually, I don't know if you, maybe you know this, but I think, in, in, I think it's in Stanford and maybe in other places, there are already avatars who are showing people who are trying to go into a diet, how they would be after an year 
of doing the diet, the new shape, let's say, of their body. And that creates much more traction okay. for action. Because when you can connect with your better selves, with your new next better version, let's say, it's easier for us to get action. So in a way, what I'm trying to say there, Liane, is can you do that? And can, can you create mm-hmm. that image in your, in your mind and focus on that, knowing that that's going to happen, but the shortcut is not to try to make it tomorrow. Right. <laughs> that's the problem. I, I had not heard this about the avatar. What I would love to see along with the avatar is all of the ups and downs that are going to happen yes. over that year. Like it's going to be hard. You're going to fall off but you're also going to get back on the path again. Because that's the other thing that I think that we're not prepared for is the inevitable blips, you know, the inevitable times when we don't do things perfectly and how can we stay with the program and not throw in the towel. I hope that's what the avatar will show too, that sometimes it's going to be hard and all of that. Actually, I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) But I think that's also, that's also true. And that's why I think we should take it as an, any, like any other innovation project. Now, it's interesting because when we're talking about someone else, when we're talking about another, a project, when we're talking about a product, it's easier for us to know that we're going to be ups and downs and things that fail and things that work. But when we're talking about ourselves, it's like, oh, yes, I'm going to fail. I'm gonna, I need to show that I'm not good at this. And then everything is going to be harder. So yes, exactly what I mean by our own innovation project. You know, yeah. What you yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the final enemy, which is not willing to pay the price. And all of these, by the way, they're like individual. It's a list, but they're not separate from each other. You know, no. they all integrate with each other. And when I read this, not willing to pay the price, I go right back into what we were just talking about, which is that there will be hard days, I am going to fall off, and am I willing to, to put in the effort to do that? Well, and you're totally right that these four things are just a list trying to summarize the concepts, but they're totally interconnected. You know? mm-hmm. so, so because what's the price? The price is we are going to show to the world that we are not perfect. We're going to show that we're going to you know, fail on something and people are going to say, okay, well, you're trying, but you are not getting there. So in a way, the price, let's say, is the process in which we're going to show to the world that we are, we are an innovation project. <laughs> so that, that, that's exactly <laughs> a price, you know, and that we, we are not holding for, for perfection. And that's why it's completely interconnected with the others and it's connected with the ego, 100%. Right. Because uh, yeah. the, the main price for the ones who have a big ego, which is growing from perfection, let's say, or from showing us doing great, is exactly that, you know? So, so that's why for me, and the other side of the coin of this is which are the accelerators of change in a way. Mm-hmm. But in a way, these four are coming together because the price is mainly, it takes time. The price is your ego might be effective unless you change how you are seeing yourself and what your ego is growing from, let's say, from being seen as someone who can change and evolve or, or is growing from being perfect, you know? So, so it's, it's completely connected to that. Yeah. You just talked about the accelerators of change. And so um, I'm wondering if we can talk about those. And I don't think that we'll be able to get to all of them. So what I want to do is just read your list. Okay. And you call them superpowers, the superpowers of change. And since we just talked about the enemies, I want to make sure and leave folks with 
there are some superpowers here. The accelerators are superpowers and I'm going to read them. And then I want you just to speak about, you know, one or two of them that you feel really, really passionate about. So here are the superpowers of change. According to Fran, being present, nourishing ourselves, showing appreciation and gratitude, doing the right thing, connecting with alternative perspectives, and believing that we can always, always improve. From that list, what's your favorite if you have one or two favorites? Well, I don't think I have a favorite because, as you said, it's a list that is completely interconnected. So when you mm-hmm. read through, it's, right. it's interconnected. It was hard for me to how to split it. But the one I would like to talk about is the one about gratitude. Okay. And the reason is of something we spoke uh, in the past few minutes. That is, I think it's much easier to create any transformation, any change, to go through any of these processes that we are going anyway. So that, that's also something I want to share, that we are all growing. We are all changing. The question is, do we do it the hard way or do we do it the joyful way? That's the question for me. Okay, mm-hmm. so just to be clear about my perspective about this. And if we believe that's not happening, you know, so, so again, life is going to show us that it's happening and we have been doing the, the, the hard way. Now, the reason is, I don't want anyone to believe that change comes from a place of not recognizing the good in us the good things that we have, the good things that mm. we achieve, the good. So for me, transformation change can come from a place of actually it's a superpower to do it from a place of appreciation and gratitude for who we are right now, mm. for what already happened to make us who we are. Because if not, it's, it's happening from a place of what's missing. And when we do it from a place of what's missing, it, we are not applying a superpower. What we are doing is fixing something and there's mm. nothing to be fixed. And I think that that's very, very, very important because I think most people, even when we give feedback to, to each other, we are not doing it from a place of what can get better, how we can do it from a place of what is good in you. And I think that that's one key that in this world, in this current world of, of fixing someone, you know, and fixing things, I, I don't think it's, it's helpful. Let me put it that way. Yeah. It doesn't feel empowering. I'm so glad that that's the one that you chose because it is for those of us who are more type A personalities or have mm-hmm. this idea that we always want to be getting better we can we can use all of this as a stick you know to beat ourselves up with and coming from a place of appreciation and gratitude for what we've already accomplished in our life what we've overcome and what we're doing well is way more energizing than to think about what we're doing wrong and what needs to be fixed. Let me confess something. When, when I talk about the book and the reason I wrote the book is also for me. So because I learned most of the things through my life working with clients, but also applying it to myself in the, the past years. But many of the things I'm, I'm speaking to myself. So I was not used to do things from a place of gratitude, for example, or recognizing what is good. I was more coming from a place what needs to be fixed. And that created a lot of tension for me, for people around me, for the people I led. So for me, it was also a journey. And I think you can see that in the book because there are a lot of stories, personal stories, real stories of trying to improve in the things. And as I always say, through writing the book, I'm not pretending to be perfect on all this. It's a way to 
to say, I believe in this, and this is also my way to grow and to get better at things. And the problem is that now people are coming to me, but Frank, you wrote this. So, so why you are saying that, you know, why you are doing it this way? So, well, and now I need to smile. I need to say, well, yes, I need to comply with the ideas that I believe in. And that's not always easy for me too. So we are on the journey. Well, I was expressing to you before we hit record this morning or this afternoon for you that I really appreciated your come from in the book. So it's not written from the perspective of an expert. Let me tell you how to do it. Or it's not clever with a lot of complicated terms. It's very humble and compassionate and reflects just what you said here. And I really appreciate that. I think that's one of the things that makes the book really easy to read is that it felt warm. It felt warm to me to read it. Like you were just another human being on this journey and here's what you've learned so far, or here's what you're thinking so far. So I really appreciated that. Thank you. I want to ask you one more question before we sign off here. And you created a playlist of music Mm -hmm. to accompany the book. I have never seen that before. And throughout the book, there are QR codes and quotes from songs. And unfortunately, I am not a Spanish speaker. Several of the songs are in Spanish, but the, the melody is beautiful. There are maybe two or three songs that are in English. I am so curious about that process. Why did you do that? I loved it. It was a real delight. To run across that. First of all, I actually put a post on LinkedIn, I think, asking people what they prefer because the original book is in Spanish and then I translate it into English. So then I said, do I put all songs in English and I need to find new ones and that connected with the spirit of the chapter, you know, and, and that energy. And then what I decided was to do something multicultural. You know, that is a mix. That is a blend of cultures because I think you have one in Portuguese, one in Spanish, three or four in English in this version. But you also can go and check the, the original ones in the original version in Spanish in case some people are interested in also listening to them. And then you can translate them or just listen, as you said. So in a way, I'm happy that it created a multicultural you know, experience of different languages, different music, different sounds. So I'm now going to a question. This is very interesting about experimentation because I was writing the book And there was a moment one year ago, actually, literally, because the book took me like two years. And one year ago, I was in the same house before the renovation, you know, so it was freezing cold, you know, here because (laughs) it was not as it is today. And I remember that I sent the first version of the, let's say, book to almost 10 people. And then they sent me their feedback. And the book changed a lot since then, a lot. I think I have like eight or nine new versions of the book until the last one. But one of the things that someone told me is, where's the music in a, in a way? So where's your music? Because I put music in, in sessions with clients. You know, I, I use the music and the words and the sounds as a way to, for us to connect with uh, ourselves or with a moment or with the spirit we want to create for a particular moment in the session. And I, I, I thought that was a beautiful challenge. And then I said, well, that makes sense. I, I'm also musical. So I I like music. I like how we can connect with a certain vibe and a certain energy. So then I started looking for the songs that actually inspire me, that part of the book, how it connects, because, you know, some, I think in in the the English 
One is there's one from David Bowie, you know, mm-hmm. about, you know, changes, changes, yep, changes exactly. For example, I think there was one from Peter Gabriel. So, oh, that um, song is so beautiful. Yeah, so beautiful, so beautiful. That that's a song that I I heard. I know I, I think 20, 25 years ago, and and I always love it. And I said when when I when I was reading the the book again, you know, in the English version, I said this is the song for this moment. That's how it happened, you know. And then I just put them there, and I just listened to them, and I wrote the the those parts again, I think, yes, this makes sense. And I was trying, in a way, my intention was two things, was beyond the, the words. For me was, if you listen to this music before, throughout, or after this part of the book, it connects you with this energy. Mm-hmm. And if I felt that way, I said, this is the right one. And I'm happy that you find it, you know, an inspiring thing and a different thing. I did. And I was uh, also sharing with you that last summer, Sometimes I'll be thinking about something or talking about something and and literally a song will pop into my head that has a certain phrase in it. So last summer I created a whole playlist of music about freedom because of various things. But I've also started taking leadership teams to art museums to look at art and consider their challenges through the art. Mm-hmm. So what would this painting say about the challenge that you're facing? Beautiful. And it really gets us out of our very linear and logical mind and connects us with something with beauty in some way. And it expands our consciousness. It just gets us out of that very typical problem-solving way of looking at things. And that's how I felt when, I, like I said, it was such a delight to see, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, he's got a QR code and it links mm-hmm. to this song. And it just felt expansive to me. And in another way, when you say looking at things through a different perspective, this is a way to look at change yes. through the perspective of various art forms. Yes. Well, I love it. And again, as we were talking before, you hit the record button. It's I didn't know what was going to happen with the book. I did my best and I, I, you know, many clients or people I work with said, let's share your thoughts or your experiences with more people. I try that and I'm loving the feedback or unexpected feedback. Like now, some people never told me about the music and told me about other things. And some people are really connected with the music. And then that means, well, no, that now it's not my book anymore in a way. Now you made me think about this, Liam, because I think the reason I decided to put that list of music is because the book is showing who I am also. <laughs> yes. And I think that, that that's me too. You know, I connect with the music and I hear some words from certain singers and I can connect with these ideas. That's why I kept also the, the Spanish versions, let's mm-hmm. say from the Spanish version, because you can even go and translate them. There's some beautiful artists there. So Jorge Drexler is fantastic. And of course, Juan Manuel Serrat. And you know that the lyrics and, and the music, it's beautiful. I'm delighted to hear that that it makes you feel that way and that you get to know me more through that too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Fran, how do people get a hold of your book? Why don't you just give us all of your shameless mm. plugging of the book, website, other resources? How do we learn more? Well, it's very simple, actually. So <laughs> okay. At the moment, for the English version, so it's Amazon.com or Amazon, wherever you are in the world, you can download it. It's Kindle version. Okay. Okay. It's all it's, be- it's all digital then. It's all digital now. Okay. At this moment, it's being printed in English 
the book, okay? Uh-huh. And then I'm going to see how it's going to be the distribution because this is also something I did you know, by myself. So I don't know yet, but for the moment it's digital, okay? Stay tuned, let me put it this way. Stay tuned with the news because it's being printed right now and I think it's going to be in the US, let's say, in March. That's okay. the idea. Great. If everyone wants the, the hard copy, let's say. Now, in frankjourney.com is the website where you have all the information about the book and where people can also sign up to a newsletter and get more information. And one of the things people will receive who sign up, for example, is the prologue. But also, there are three people. One of those is Lisa Lahi, another two who wrote some methodologies, some inspiring methodologies to help people start from somewhere. So many people with these topics, they say, but how do I start? You know, can you share with me? I say, okay, for each of you, there might be something different, but there are three things. One is going to be the immunity to change from Lisa Lahi. The other one is going to mm-hmm. be Optimal Me. That is a program that a partner of mine, Osias Ramirez, designed also with Raf, you know, who, who was part of designing that. And then there's a third one that is from a dancer who is someone I know I knew for the last 30 years. And she's a beautiful dancer. And she created a methodology called Conscious Release that is very connected to what we said before about expanding, getting out from our minds and getting more into the body and more somatic work. And all these are just three different methodologies for people to explore. So if people sign up to the newsletter, they will be receiving that in the next few weeks. So that's a way to stay in tune. And again, I, I hope that people you know, get it, they like it, or at least they get value from it. And looking forward to receiving comments, feedback, and also comments from the people who get frustrated because there are no methodologies. <laughs> they are a list of how to make it happen. It's very practical, but you will not get the five things you need to do to be successful in this. Right, right. Well, Fran, thank you so much. Um, I've really enjoyed our time today. And I want to say thank you to our friend Raf again for connecting us. And really congratulations on the book and everything that's gone into it, including the music. It's delightful. And it's been delightful speaking with you today. So thank you so much. Same here, Leanne. Thanks a lot for your beautiful energy, for your question and your interest and looking forward to more. I, I could keep going, you know, I know, I know. Panic, but I could keep going. But anyway, thanks a lot and beautiful time together. Thank you. Thank you. Please remember that I have links to the key topics that we discussed in the show notes, both on the podcast platform and my website at www.rise-leaders.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. And remember to elevate your part of the world.